0: Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I
1: have a story for you today, but first, Zoe, how's life? Well, Robin, as we record this virtually, by the way, Mother's Day is coming up. However, as it's released, Mother's Day is in the past. So I want... Funny how time works. Yes, it is. I wanted to share what I did for Mother's Day. I brought my mom to a local zoo, Riverbank Zoo, and we had a wine tasting night. And so we got all dressed up and we went to the botanical garden that is attached to the zoo, and we there were 36 stations that had like four beers or four wines each. And then four of those stations actually had either beer or something funky, like those margaritas in a bottle, something like that.
0: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: And so it was very easy to get White Girl Wasted there. But I did remember, like, 30 minutes before I was leaving for the event, that. I was the one driving so I was not able to get white girl wasted while I was there I know I allowed my mom to get white girl wasted if she wanted to but she did not but
0: okay that was very responsible of you guys i do think that if you were to get white girl wasted the zoo would be a very interesting place to do it
1: yeah unfortunately we couldn't go to like the animal part we had to stay in the botanical gardens part you had
0: to be like classy with the plants
1: yeah with the plants but they also had like food places there so it was like Zaz pizza and the melting pot they had the melting pot. Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, what is well, up with the bouquet? Book- what? So it was. It was like sample plates. It was basically. Oh, so cool. Yeah, and they were the dessert table. So. It was a lot of fun I tried a lot of wines and it got to the point well like I would walk up and I'd be like can I get just a smidgen can I get just like a smidgen because we walked up to the first one and they're like we only pour two ounce servings and then they like filled up my wine glass and I'm like (laughs) I can't go through a tasting like this but um so I was asking them for like half ounce shots of wine but um, I found two wines that I actually did really like that I'm going to buy for the house every now and then. So it's a... Good for you. The Cupcake Brand Sweet Red Blend, and then there's Sutter Holmes Peach Tea Wine. (laughs) Okay, I I, I have
0: multiple things to say, but Uh I think the one that needs to be said most is just a shit's Creek reference okay to herb atlinga fruit wine
1: okay <laughs> I understand that reference you do no okay. <laughs>
0: Um, I would say you should watch Shit's Creek, but to be honest with you, I never have a good gauge for what television you're going to like or not like. You're an enigma, Zoe. Thank I you. I think the answer is that you just really never liked anything that I've tried to show you. So I, don't watch Shit's Creek. You'll hate it.
1: <laughs> I think I the, it. the answer is I never really like anything. I think that's you, the okay, answer. How about
0: this? How about this? When you like something, you like
1: something. That is true. That is true.
0: I've just never been able to show you something that you like. Well, okay, well, my life.
1: I um, was about to say, well, Robin, how's your life?
0: My life is that I am reading a new book. Okay. Um,
1: is it the same book that I'm also reading? Or are you talking about no, a different I book? I realized
0: that after I planned out what I was going to say. No, it's not the one I should be reading for you. with okay. you. Apologies. It is, I don't have it with me. Uh, it's called *The Rival Queens*, and it's by Nancy Goldstone. And it is b- about Catherine de Medici and her daughter Margaret, Ma- Margaret de Valois and their
1: contentious mother-daughter relationship. Are these real human beings, or are they? Yes, yes, okay. they are human
0: beings. So Catherine de Medici was the queen of France in. 1500s and Margaret de Valois becomes queen of something. I haven't gotten to that part yet, but I'm sure she's a queen because the book is called The Rival Queens.
1: So, is this a historical fiction book or is it like a biography?
0: It's biography.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. They can't have any fun. No, you can't. It's actually a
0: lot of fun. The author has like, it, it has sass. It's very sassy. Okay. Just letting you know. Okay. Do you have a something-something for us today?
1: I do have a something-something-something for us.
0: Something-something-something?
1: No, it's just a something-something. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) So, Robin, I'm sure you've seen these listicles around, or maybe these videos or something like that, where it's like, the weirdest law in your state. Oh, yeah. Shoot. So I found one of these that I thought the law... It wasn't just like... You're allowed to beat your wife because That's of... That's the one I immediately went to. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, wa- I wanted to find one that wasn't just, like, old antique laws that just haven't been written out of the system. So I found mm-hmm. one listicle. It's on the dailymeal.com And there's a couple of them that are just like, oh, this is an old rule. But I wanted to share one weird law per each state that we cover okay do it do it girl all right and for reference i did go to our very first post on our website and copied all of the states that we agreed that we are going to cover so i didn't (laughs) accidentally include one of the states we don't cover
0: tbh there's a couple states that i always have to like check
1: yeah same here i'm like where is where is oh idaho Idaho's the one that keeps missing. Yeah, yeah. I we
0: do not cover Idaho. No, we don't. TB, even more H. There are some states that we cover that, like, I don't think are technically.
1: Oh, oh 100%. Sure. Honestly, like. <laughs> I'm just glad we're both <laughs> honest about that. <laughs> Virginia, honestly, I'm like, is that really no, Southern? No, Virginia is the South. I, Virginia is the South. Oh, we cover okay. We freaking
0: Arkansas. Why do we cover Arkansas?
1: I consider Arkansas pretty Southern.
0: You covered Kansas.
1: Shh. So, okay, farm (laughs) equals southern to me, okay? That's
0: not how that works.
1: (laughs) Anyway. The entirety
0: of the Midwest has a bone to pick with you.
1: (laughs) Well, they're very southern. Anyway. (laughs) I'm kidding. We're going to get some
0: Ohio hate
1: on the (laughs) spot. It's okay. I can handle Ohioans. I can't. (laughs) But, okay. okay, okay, okay. So, Virginia, number one state. Not number one. Just the first one I came across. It is illegal. <laughs> it is illegal to hunt or kill any wild animal, including what they called nuisance species, on Sundays, with the exception of waterfowl. Or if you get a per- permission from a private landowner, as long as you are not within 200 yards of a church... And also, if you're dealing with a raccoon problem, you can hunt them until 2 a.m. on Sundays.
0: So, wait, you can hunt raccoons on Sundays from the hours of midnight to 2 a.m.?
1: Yes. I think that's because, like, raccoons are nocturnal, so if you're hunting them Saturday night, you're gonna go into Sunday morning kind of thing. Okay. Okay, I get
0: that. I really like that law, mostly because it is incredibly anti-duck. Um, I'm not anti duck, but the law is anti duck. Yeah, and I find that interesting.
1: And I don't know why. I think big, big anti duck got in the way of that law. They were like, mm, "But you can hunt waterfowl. Here's five hundred dollars."
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. The, the anti duck lobbyists.
1: Yes, the anti duck lobbyists.
0: They're fish.
1: Oh. It's all the Pisces out there.
0: Yeah, the Pisces got together.
1: Yep. All right. Second state, Kentucky. It is illegal to die pet birds or rabbits unless you are selling six or more of them because it is considered animal cruelty and is punish- punishable by a fine up to $500.
0: So you can be cruel in mass, but you can't.
1: So I think. So, first of all, I just want to make it clear. Dying pets isn't animal cruelty as long as you use pet-safe dye.
0: All right. I'll take your word for it. I'm not dying my pet, but I'll take your word for it.
1: There's a lot of people who will, like, dye the tail of their dogs so that um, their dogs are less likely to be stolen, especially if they're a guide animal. All right. I mean, I've seen poodles. True. Yeah.
0: They're all pink. That's not naturally occurring.
1: What? <laughs> But I think the six or more rule is to, like to differentiate between them, I think. So if you're selling like twelve bunnies, oh. you'd be like, "Hey, I want the blue one.
0: I, I, I still don't think that can okay. if they're operating on the basis of the it's animal that this is animal cruelty. that
1: okay. All yeah. right. In Tennessee, it is illegal for people to share login credentials for streaming services if you do not live together. So, uh-huh. this was passed in 2011 called the Tennessee Login Law because of hackers selling off passwords.
0: You know, that was big Netflix, right?
1: That was big Netflix. You're <laughs> right. But it also applies to like Hulu, Spotify, anything like that.
0: No, yeah. yeah. Um,. <laughs> I'm sure that law is very well abided uh, in the great state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In North Carolina, playing more than 10 hours of bingo violates the state's gambling statutes. Also, organizations can only have two bingo sessions a week. They cannot be more than five hours per session, and they have to be at least one. 48 hours apart.
0: Okay. I'm really, really curious about these five-hour-long bingo sessions.
1: I know, right? Like, it's considered gambling. So, apparently, North Carolina has one of the strictest anti-gambling laws. So, that's why it's there. But I thought that was funny.
0: That is. Thank you.
1: So, going along with the gambling thing, in South Carolina... It is illegal for someone under the age of eighteen to play pinball on a machine. Really? Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with gambling too.
0: You don't get anything. You might get a gum. But...
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but like I know there's the like Charleston Boardwalk, and like there's that arcade. Is it Charleston? Yes, yeah, Charleston. Beach. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Sorry. Yes, the Myrtle Beach Boardwalk. There's an the arcade off of it next to the Gay Dolphin. And there's pinball machines there. And I have played it when I was under 18, so...
0: so weird. I
1: know. I broke the law. You just said
0: that on a recorded podcast. I
1: did. I did. They're
0: gonna listen.
1: For legal reasons. This is a joke.
0: (laughs) For legal reasons!
1: It's been a while.
0: Yeah! New listeners are confused.
1: All right. It's Uh okay. We had a bunch of people, um, what's the word? Vibing? No consuming binging binging, binging. Okay. thank you yes we have a lot of people binging so maybe they're going back and listening
0: we appreciate the bingers we do <laughs> appreciate
1: right. the bingers in arkansas it is illegal to pronounce it arkansas okay yeah okay yeah, that's fun. in texas it is illegal to run for office if you do not believe in any god
0: that can't be true
1: the law can't sa- be true. The law says no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust in this state, nor shall anyone be excluded from holding office on account of his religious sentiments, provided he acknowledge the existence of a supreme being. That is the Texas law.
0: I think that, uh...
1: That's unconstitutional. Yeah. One hundred percent, I agree with you. I,
0: yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That also means to not exercise. Then again, it does say Congress shall. Yeah. So, it doesn't say anything about the state of Texas, but maybe it should.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so as long as you believe in a supreme being, you can run for law office. But if you're an atheist, out I of luck.
0: Th- I'm, okay, I'm betting that that doesn't last five more years. Oh. I'm betting that doesn't last five more years.
1: 100%. Or, like, somebody will come into office. Like, I, I doubt it's one of those things that they actually check, you know?
0: And, like, you cannot... How do you... Like, what do you do if, like, you're about to enforce that? Like, if you enforce that, the that would... world will rain down on you. Like, oh, 100 You can't do that.
1: Yeah, no. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> In Louisiana... It is illegal to consume human or animal blood as a part of a ritualistic act. All right. Yep. I think I could abide by that. I feel like that's a very Louisian law.
0: Like, wait one second.
1: I think it's supposed if you make to...
0: make the law, there has to be a reason that you made the law.
1: Well, there's... I, I don't want to, like... I, I didn't, like, look this up, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but it, I know that there's some dark magic in voodoo cultures that require... Animal or human blood and or the consumption of it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I'm not judging that. We should also do like an episode on that sometime. One hundred percent. I want to. I want to research that.
1: It's just I feel like that's one of the ones we have to research very carefully because I feel like there's a lot of racist and culturist language out there.
0: This isn't like a uh oh shoot, we're recording tomorrow. Gotta be up till two AM researching this. Not that we do that. No these episodes. Anyway, um, alright.
1: I definitely didn't compile this list an hour ago. <laughs> okay, sorry, it was like three hours ago.
0: Yeah, an hour ago, you got on to our Discord 30 minutes early. <laughs> Guys, I, something you need to know about Zoe, we will have a set time to be there. I will always be about five minutes late. Zoe will always be about 30 minutes early. <laughs> <laughs> She'll text me before I've left, and then she's like, oh, just get here whenever. I'm like, ugh. I look like I'm so late now, but really, I'm only a little bit late.
1: Yes. Yes. It's anxiety. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. In Mississippi, an old law says that if you have more than one child out of wedlock, you can be charged with a misdemeanor and can face either a month in jail or a $250 fine.
0: That cannot be enforced. Like, what is...
1: That's another (laughs) one that's... It's an old law, so I don't think it's enforced, but...
0: Okay. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. And then for Alabama, in the city of Mobile, or as you say, Mobile. Mobile. Mobile? Okay. okay, Mobile, like the children's thing.
0: Watch neither of us be right.
1: Okay. I just say mobile, like mobile phone.
0: I don't think you should. Oh. <laughs> you don't get to
1: make it up, Zoe. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is illegal to have, make, sell give or throw away non-biodegradable plastic-based confetti because it has been considered littering as of 2018.
0: Okay, I like that. I agree. However, what if it's like you have it in your possession and then the law comes into effect and you're not allowed to have it, but you're not allowed to give it away. You're not allowed to throw it away.
1: I'm sure there was a grace period or like... You know how they have those, like, turn in your guns, no questions asked, and then we'll give you a hundred bucks? I'm sure there was something like that.
0: Did they say that you can't bury it?
1: I think that's a part of disposing it.
0: Oh, okay. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. In... I think you know this one. You may have covered this one in your clown episode, but in the town of Dublin, Georgia... It is illegal for anyone to wear a mask, hood, or other item that hides their faces unless you are under 16 and it's Halloween. Was that not... Okay. I remember a similar thing in your clown. No, no, no,
0: yeah, it made sense. It's just, I think what I was reading is that, like, in clown-specific areas, episode, (laughs) episode, I forgot the episode, guys, but, like, in Greenville, that one specific year, they were, like... Okay. There's going to be a lot of clowns this Halloween. <laughs> please don't wear. Please don't. I think there was like a rule, like a temporary rule, maybe to just like not dress up as a clown unless it's Halloween. Gotcha. Because so many people were, if you missed the episode, dressing up as clowns and hiding in the woods and
1: trying to kill people. Yeah.
0: And then the people would try to kill the clowns.
1: Yes, and then the it's people like would try to kill the people that they for thought you were clowns. To
0: be a clown. It was a whole thing.
1: Yeah. All right. Do we
0: have any more states left?
1: One more. Last one. Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, a dog owner is not liable for damages caused by their pet if the owner has a sign on their property that is visible that reads, bad dog. (laughs) So, like, if somebody came onto your property and they got, like, attacked by your dog, or maybe their stuff got attacked by your dog, as long as you had a sign that said, bad dog, or beware of dog, on your property that's visible they cannot be held liable for your injuries or damages. This is weird, but I get that. Yeah. No. I get it. At first when I was reading it, I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, are you saying like if I just say, Hey, my dad my dog's a bad dog and then my dog attacks you unprovoked, it's not my fault. And I was thinking at like a public park or something. But no, I was like, oh, no. It's just in your own yard, basically.
0: I get that okay thank you for sharing
1: you're welcome well that's my something something so robin do you (laughs) you i exhausted you apparently
0: exhausted yeah
1: well it is a friday night and we're at home doing this instead of you know partying or anything so i don't know what the point of my sentence was i don't
0: know what the point of that
1: was either tell me your story
0: (laughs) all right So, this is back in the early 1900s. For the most part, though, we do get a lot of kind of things that happen after the fact, later through the century and into the 2000s. All right. So, on August 23rd, 1912, a couple named Leslie and Percy Dunbar, who lived in... Opelousas, Louisiana We're going to go on a weekend trip with their two sons four-year-old Bobby he had light hair, blue eyes and then with their two-year-old son Alonzo. They were gonna go to a lake called I think it says Swayze Lake like Patrick Swayze Okay. it could be Swayze but I couldn't find the pronunciation I think it's Swayze Lake they're gonna go and visit there with some family friends for the weekend Percy was going to be a little bit later in getting there. He was the husband and dad. He was going to be later because he was working in real estate and insurance at the time, and he just had some work things to do. It should be well known, and this will come up a few times in this, that they were, like, a pretty good well-off family. Like, they had a good amount of wealth. So, Lessie took Bobby and Alonzo to the lake. One of the friends who was there was named Paul Meatsi. And while everybody was kind of playing the lake, which, by the way, was kind of more like a swampish area. I mean, there was definitely, I think, places to swim and everything, but it it had a lot of alligators. Oh. So they were playing in the lake, and Bobby wanted to kind of go off with Paul meetsy and watch him fish for the morning, so he did that. And Leslie, the mom, came back in, and she made everybody lunch. And when she called everybody to come back in, it was to kind of help things get ready, and so there would kind of be like... A bustling around that kind of happens at bigger gatherings when you're about to eat everybody's kind of putting things on the table and running around and so Paul said to Bobby the four-year-old I think he said this jokingly he said something about like alright kind of like you know get out of our hair while we're, we're doing this while we're all going around and so Bobby left the group for a while and I saw one source one newspaper from like way way back when so most of my sources were are like modern-day things But I did find a couple news articles and it's like, guys, if you are ever interested in something that happened like in history or something and you have access to the news articles, go back and look at them because they will have details that nobody else does. So an article I did look back and see said that Bobby actually walked off with a friend of his, whereas like every other thing I had seen said like he walked off alone. So he walked off with another boy about his same age and then when it got time to eat, you know, Leslie called for him, and nobody could find him, basically. Oh, no. And nobody actually saw him again, at least that day. So I don't know what would happen with the friend. I assumed that the friend was okay, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming that the friend was okay, but they went and looked for him, and they apparently were able to kind of like tell that he had gone to the shore of the lake i am th- assuming maybe that's because like a footprints or something but they did not see anything there you know at that point percy the dad was arriving for the lunch area and they all were just kind of scattering and looking around and they got a whole bunch of people who lived near the lake to go and look too so like about a hundred people were actually searching. They called the authorities, and for a week, they combed the lake. Like, they did everything from, like, they got alligators, and they cut open the alligators just to see if, like, the body was there. Mm-hmm. They threw dynamite into the lake, thinking that—and this was, like, after—if he was in the lake, like, he would it would be that he had drowned. So the idea is that you put dynamite in there, and then if the body was in the lake, it would, like— it would come out it would like float up or move or something right it would disturb the water enough for that to happen and they were not finding anything and so i mentioned all of that to just say like it wasn't first thought of that like he was taken it was first thought of that he probably drowned
1: okay or it Um, was eaten by an alligator
0: or eaten by an alligator that something natural and tragic in the lake had occurred And so, like I said, for a week they were not able to find him. And then the Dunbars went back to their house. And I think the searching, or at least the heavy searching in the lake like that, stopped happening. But then, you know, at that point, like, you don't know if he's dead or alive. And if you, like, did all these things to the lake thinking that you would find a body, and then you didn't find a body. And, like, it's not like he was gone for forever before they realized it, you know? Mm -hmm. So they were thinking, like... You know, we don't know if he's alive or dead, but, like, perhaps somebody took him because at this time also, like, you know how rumors go. So, like, people were, like, kind of calling in to police or telling newspapers or just talking about and saying that, oh, well, I saw, like, what was it, footsteps maybe from the shore And that, like, I think some people were saying they saw, like, a man carrying Bobby, like, away from the lake. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the parents don't know what to believe, so maybe they think, okay, maybe he's been kidnapped. And it should be noted, they never, you know, they didn't find the body, but they did find his straw hat. He had a straw hat on that day, and they did find it, like, a good ways from the shore. That made them think that, like, maybe he went away from the shore rather than to it, or was taken away. Right. Right. So, this goes on for a very long amount of time, and remember how I said that they're well off. So, Percy uses a lot of his resources, his financial resources, to try to find a son. He sends out postcards that have Bobby's face, and he sends them to, like, all over, like, to several different states. He puts up $1,000 of his own money as a reward, and this is a reward for, like, information that leads to Bobby being found. And... Friends of theirs, friends and neighbors, and also the local bank came together and put up an additional five thousand. Oh, wow. So this was like total six thousand dollars, which I did the mandatory thing that we do, which is go to an inflation calculator and put it all together, and that is about one hundred and seventy-four thousand dollars today. Wow. Yeah you know, all of this going on, it does become national news. This is a very, like, well-known missing boy story. And during this time, Percy is, by the way, visiting orphanages all around Louisiana, looking for him in case he was taken there. A few weeks after Bobby disappears, a letter comes in from southern Mississippi. And it is, you know, to Percy or to the police. I'm not exactly sure who the letter was addressed to. But it was saying that they've seen a boy who looks a lot like Bobby walking around with a man who was like a handyman Mm -hmm. in the area who kind of goes from place to place. And so Percy asked his brother to go to Mississippi and check that lead out. And the brother comes back and says, you know, that wasn't him. Okay. And by the way, like, I didn't include a lot of these in there, but... When I did look back over, like, news stories, there were quite a lot that were, like, to me, clearly, like, just red herrings of, oh, well, these people over here say they see him, or these people over here say they see him, or this man says he has him, or something like that. Like, because it is this weird phenomenon that we've covered again and again, where people will just confess, Mm -hmm. and it makes no sense, but it does happen, and so you don't know whoever to believe or not believe. Right. What confessions may be true or not true. So this goes on for several months until it is April 1913. So this is eight months after Bobby went missing. And the Dunbars get a telegram. And it is from southern Mississippi. And is saying, hey, I've seen a boy who looks a lot like Bobby does in the newspapers, walking around with this handyman. And... I don't know what made him go and check this out again once he'd already sent his brother for it. And, like, it is strongly believed that this letter is talking about the same man and boy. Um, Like, It's not, like, Prune, but everybody who... Everybody who kind of, like, came across the fact that there were two letters like this was, like... uh, It's probably the same.
1: Yeah, that would be a Um, pretty incredible coincidence if it wasn't.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, Percy goes to poplarville mississippi and actually a little bit before this so okay he gets the telegram he decides to go to poplarville he is friends with the sheriff or something like that and he actually gets a man named and i have it somewhere okay i don't know his middle name but his name is william walters okay he he gets he's the handyman He gets police to, I guess, hold in custody William Walters and also kind of have the boy so that Percy can come there and see the boy for himself and see if that is his son. So Percy goes to Poplarville, Mississippi, one state over, and he sees the boy and he's not sure.
1: Like, He's not sure if it's his own son?
0: He's not sure if it's his own son. He thinks it could be, but he's not sure. So he sends note that lessee his wife should come to poplarville so she comes and there are many 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 different newspaper versions of what happened when they had that first meeting there were some of them like saying like oh lessee and the boy who you know they're calling bobby i think i'm gonna just i'm not gonna call him bobby just yet okay they were saying that, like, Lessie and the boy, like, immediately recognized each other, embraced, ran to each other, hugged. And then there were other ones saying, like, no, he cried, or he didn't recognize her, or he recognized her, but she didn't recognize him, or something like that. But, so it's hard to tell what is the truth, but it con- But from everything kind of, like, weeding down, it really seems like, uh, and, and from what, like, reputable sources today are saying, so who have actually been able to get through all of the articles, so... Mm-hmm. If, if you are going to look into the story, and I'm going to plug this at the end, but, like, NPR's radio show This American Life did an episode on this. And I think that, that is probably, like, the the highest caliber of, like, journalism you can probably get on this just because they're NPR. And the consensus there seems to be—or was it from that episode? I don't know, but generally the consensus in general seems to be that Leslie saw him. I don't think there was necessarily recognition from him to her, but there wasn't— he wasn't saying like no you're not my mom or anything okay so she saw him and she wasn't sure really Mm. so both parents weren't sure but they wondered so they are staying somewhere in poplarville they go home for the night or wherever they're staying for the night come back the next day and she asks if she can give him a bath because you kind of, she wanted, to, like, she knows, like, where there's marks on his body. Right. So that she can identify him as her son. So she gives him a bath. And there is, she says that, like, I think that there are, like, more marks in his body that, like, made this definitely have her think that this was her son. But there's one in particular on his left foot. Her son had had a place where he had gotten burned and that the skin had grown over really smooth there. And so you can kind of see that there was, like, you know, the burn mark. And she said that this boy had that too, that this was definitely Bobby, that this was her son. So they
1: take him back. What happened in that, like, five-month span, though, that made him forget her and her his parents forget him? It was eight months. Eight months, um, I'm sorry. And
0: one thing, like because there is a lot of forgetfulness or not forgetfulness yeah there's a lot of like places where it seems like memory lapses really come into the story like even more than i've told you Mm. but one thing for his sake for the boy's sake is that he is like four to five years old at this point he would have been missing from home for about eight months like i really don't know how memory works at that point
1: yeah i would like to think that you would recognize your parents at four or five but I'm not a child psychologist.
0: I am not either. <laughs> uh, so they take him home on April 22nd of 1913, and they they bring him to meet the rest of the family. So like relatives who live in the area, and they come in and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is Bobby. This mm-hmm. is definitely Bobby." And then also they apparently Bobby had had a little uh friend who he would, like, play around with a lot, a little girl, and so she recognized him as Bobby, too. So, this, you know, goes on, everything is good, except, you know, you have a guy in jail now. Mm-hmm. William Walters, who had been going around with Bobby and, like, just taking him with him around Mississippi, and William Walters is in prison pretty pretty adamantly saying, no, this is not Bobby, This boy is named Bruce Anderson, and he is the son of Julia Anderson, and I was taking care of him for the past, like, over a year. Mm. He was like, this is not... He, he, He was basically, like, he was saying, like, this is not your son. And so, enter Julia. Okay. So, Julia Anderson was born in North Carolina. She was from there in 1912. She had three children, and I think she was unmarried at that point. She might have been previously married. I kind of saw a couple different things about that, like saying two different things. But she had three children by two different men. And it was kind of scandalous at the time, at least. It seems that she worked for William Walter's parents for a while and worked kind of, I think, at their farm and then was also a caretaker for him, for them. And there's a few different stories There's a lot of different stories, actually, about how William got to be taking care of her son, Bruce Anderson, at least. And, you know, I'm just kind of, like, going to tell you everything from their side as if it's the truth, because if I don't do it, then I'm just going to get confused about how I'm phrasing everything. (laughs) And so I'm just going to take you a little bit through my journey of wondering what was going on there. The first thing I saw was that William was taking care of Bruce because he had asked Julia originally, like, obviously more than eight months ago more than i think a year before this he had asked her if he could take the boy with him for like a few days to go visit his sister who lived in north georgia and that julia had said yes and that he'd taken him but when he came back to see julia julia wasn't there at the house anymore and she had gone to like take care of her sister because she not taken care of and so that this guy was like A traveling handyman, so he didn't want to wait around, and so he just took this kid to Mississippi in the meantime, but that they maintained correspondence, and that Julian knew where the boy was. Mm
1: -hmm. Because she
0: had sent a letter saying that, like, okay, I'm glad that things are working out for you guys there. And so my reaction from that was... (laughs) my, My reaction from that is, okay, there are a lot of cultural differences between now and 1912, and I was like, was this normal? Because it doesn't sound normal to me. It doesn't sound like something I'd be cool with.
1: Yeah. But then
0: again, I'm not them, and it's not 1912. But I did think, like, it was kind of weird, and I was like, wait, why would she let him go off with this random guy? And then I saw, no, William Walters was the boy's dad. That she had had an illegitimate child with his brother while she was caretaking for the parents. Oh. So wait, he was his
1: uncle. Uncle, okay. Did I
0: say that? Okay. You said yeah, dad, so, but uncle. No, sorry. That William Walters was his uncle, and I was like, okay, okay, that's better because then you understand like why he took the boy to visit the sister and yada yada. I mean, it doesn't make sense about why he took the boy to Mississippi, but it's a little bit
1: better. From what you've told um, me so far, it sounds like people in the early 1900s didn't care too much about their kids.
0: <laughs> I okay. Okay, what I I will say about this whole exchange here, in this story, everybody cares about their kids a lot. I I will say that. Okay. Because then I also learned that it's kind of up in the air, whether he was the uncle or not, because nobody actually knows who the dad was. And the thing is, the reason that there's more different stories to this is Mm -hmm. because William was saying one thing and Julia was saying another. William was saying that, yeah, he took the boy for a little bit. At one point he was saying it was because julia wanted to go and like find work or she needed work or something so he took the kid off her hands for a bit and then she wasn't able to get work and so he kept the kid with him so that he could make sure the boy was taken care of and because you know his thing he kind of goes from place to place he needs to be put up he needs some place to stay he needs people to you know cook for him and that it was okay not cook for him he's not going to place to place being like cook for me but like if you are a traveling handyman and you are, going, you are a person who goes into a town and fixes the things that are up with the town, typically, I think, in this world, they would kind of put you up. Okay. He got much more of that. Like, he got to stay in places more and got more food and stuff because he had the boy with him. Because he said women would just, like, look at the boy and be like, oh my gosh, let me take care of the boy, which, like, makes sense because you have, like, a four-year-old going around with you.
1: I'm uh, sorry, I thought you were saying that the four- and five-year-old was keeping house for this man.
0: No, I, I don't okay. think he did much. I, I think he was just hanging out. Um, you don't have a lot of dexterity when you're four and five.
1: I, I was like, I know child labor laws were probably not around then, but I feel like no. a four-year-old still can't manage a stove.
0: No, no, he couldn't. And then, okay, so you got that story. But then you, I, I saw a thing from Julia, and I think this is the truth. Okay. Julia said, okay, first off to take into consideration, Julia was going through a hard time. It really seems that way I don't exactly know all the full timeline here but she had three children at this point in her life she gave one daughter up for adoption and then she had another child who died and I don't know the circumstances of it but it was not expected and apparently everybody was kind of blaming her for the fact that he died Mm. and I don't I, I don't know what was going on there but like I'm going to just like Assume that she was not at fault because I feel like in especially in this time there was just like child deaths did happen like there we we have a lot of vaccines and stuff now that can prevent them in a way and antibiotics that can prevent them in a way that like was not available then mm-hmm. so it seemed like she was going through a really hard time and these things happened I think while he was away but like she was still like you know a single mother in a time when it was really not good to be a single mother at least for the way everybody viewed you and treated you and so She said that she was working for William's parents as a caretaker, and that he asked... Oh, I do have a timeline. Yes. Okay. Okay, actually, I do. I'm putting things together in a way I did not when I was doing my notes. Okay. She was doing stuff for his family. She was living there or taking care of them. She was there a lot at the house. He came by in November 1911. Okay. Okay. And so he was staying there for those few months between November, 1911 and February, 1992. And during that time, he and the boy got along real well. Okay. In this little bit I saw, she did not make mention of him being her son's uncle. Okay. She said that they got along a lot and that he was going to go and visit his sister in North Georgia and wanted to know if he could bring the son along to visit the sister. And she said, yes, because they got along a lot. She was okay with that and she said it was just going to be for a few days. She reiterated that she only said he could take him for a few days and that she didn't see him again until all of a sudden like people were saying like her son was Bobby Dunbar. Okay. Okay. So he had him from like February 1992 through April 1913. So like over yeah, over a year by this point. This would have been 14 months, okay? So that's been how long she's been without her son and she is saying, "No, I didn't say he could take him to Mississippi. I didn't say he could do any of these things." I, maybe she, I don't know if they were, like, in... I think they might have been writing letters to each other because her children seem to remember the fact that, like, there had been a letter between them where she had written that, like, she was glad that everything was okay with them, mm-hmm. but that does not necessarily mean that she wanted her child to be in Mississippi with him or was good with it. Right. Okay. And I, I just kind of want to take a moment to unpack that before we move on, because I think that we're kind of, like, at the end of our what was going on in that situation thing with the whole William taking... Bruce thing and like William was arrested for kidnapping Bobby Dunbar okay but you know if you're looking at the whole thing from Julia's perspective was William kind of kidnapping her kid
1: yeah yeah
0: from her perspective it seems like yes
1: yes it's just she had the luxury of knowing where her kid was even if he was unwillingly not with her so she didn't have and she was also poor so she wasn't able to do The manhunt for her son. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. And she had the whole thing where she had two other kids, had to give one up for adoption, and then the other one passed away. And it was just a very horrible time to be Julia Anderson. Right. So, okay, fast forwarding from there a little bit, William is now in prison and he is saying, no, this is Bruce Anderson. This is not Bobby Dunbar. This is Julia Anderson's son. And so every newspaper. Is like, okay, well, who's Julia Anderson? Mm-hmm. And so a newspaper from New Orleans, not out of the goodness of their hearts, paid for Julia Anderson to come and see Bobby at the station. The idea is, so Bobby is living in Opelousas, I think is how you pronounce it, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And he, he's he's living with the Dunbars. He By the way, they had a huge parade for him, like, the day after he came back in Opelousas. He rode on a fire truck. Oh. So they bring him back to the station they bring Julia in and what they do is they have like a group of five boys who individually go into the room to see Julia so she can pick out which one is her son so she's done that know. for the other couple that is true that is true and honestly what would have been the who would they have picked if they only thought it might be him but they had five boys come in, and it sounds like this was just a very, like, emotionally taxing thing for her, because, like, by the time it was... I'm just gonna refer to him as the boy. Okay. By the time the boy came in, like, she was crying. He was crying. She offered him an orange. He didn't recognize her. I saw one newspaper at the time say that she said, Deed folks, I can't swear it. Like, indeed, folks, I can't swear it. But, like, she... When he came in, she asked the police people, authorities, if he was the one who, like, was taken and was being called Bobby Dunbar. She, she asked if that was him. And they wouldn't answer her, you know, because they're, like, trying to figure out, like, well, does she know it or does she not know it? And that's when she said, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. essentially. So she goes to wherever she's staying for that night, and then very similar to Lessie, the next day she comes in And she's like, she said, according to the newspaper, in my heart, I know it's Bruce. And so she did the same thing that Leslie did where she bathed him. And then so, so she like saw him and she's like, no, this is, this is my son. But nothing happened from that point. So she doesn't have money. She doesn't have money for a legal battle. And the courts also knew that for them, it would be an expensive thing to have happen. And... They didn't want to do anything about it. And I think one of the reasons is that the boy was in a well-off home. I think that might have been part of it. I have to assume that was part of it. Yeah, I was Um, thinking that
1: this whole time that any legal custody thing will be like, well, go with the rich mom, not the mom that potentially, I'm saying this facetiously, but potentially Mm. killed her own child and adopted the other one out. Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah well I don't know if they were saying that she killed him but like maybe it was like negligence or something I don't know I didn't see a lot more about that I just saw it from one thing and I was like what? what what's more detail but we just don't have more detail so the media by the way were very much pro Dunbar that's not a surprise because you know wealthy yeah wealthy yeah um, <laughs> One newspaper in particular I read was, like, really playing up the drama, and in doing so, you know, huge bias against Julie because she was poor, and then also, because of where she was from, like, it was very, like, anti-Carolinas, and the reason I say anti-Carolinas, she's from North Carolina, but they kept bringing up that she was from South Carolina, and, like, in a really derogatory way. Oh. Uh, and it mentioned, like, that the boy was born in a hut in South Carolina, and it was just all these, like, really, um, just, like, classist things to say. And also, I think it brought it up because she had a child when she wasn't married. Also, I just want to, like, put in here that this reminds me a little bit of Little Fires Everywhere. And so, but only, like, the show because I haven't seen the book. Have you heard of Little Fires Everywhere? No, I haven't. There's a, there's a plot in there, and it is, like, where a wealthy family is the foster parents who want to adopt this child, And this poor woman who is an immigrant is the, you know, the the biological mother and she wants a child. And it's like them kind of being in this like fight of over like, who does the child belong with? Where is the child better off? And it's just like a really like just heart wrenching. Thing to see and also in Little Fires Everywhere like you have to see, like there was like the race element to it because the woman who was a biological mother was Asian mm. Um but like just the, the similarity of like where it relates to like class and wealth really like it, it makes me think of it like so much there's a lot of parallels to it Julia is not getting the boy we left William in prison. He does not get out on bail or anything. There is this great quote from a Mental Floss article called The Bizarre Kidnapping Mystery That Stunned the 1910 South. It is by Jake Rawson, and he said that essentially what William was trying to articulate about the situation in his trial and in jail was that, quote, the Dunbars hadn't found their child, he said. They had kidnapped someone else's. So he was very much, like, pro, like, okay, get this. Even though, like, I don't know if he... (laughs) I don't know. Do we call him a kidnapper? I really don't know the whole situation. Only that she didn't want him to have her child and that he had her child. Okay, that kind of sounds like it.
1: Kidnapper? Anyway, yeah.
0: At this... And at this point, if he, like, proves it's Julia's child, then he gets out of prison. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. I um, don't feel he, too point, bad
1: about him going to jail.
0: Well, he doesn't stay there for long. Okay. So, he... Kidnapping charge would typically mean that he is up for life in prison or the death penalty. And... He even gets some witnesses to come in who are Mr and Mrs. Jephtha Bilbo, as in Bilbo Baggins, from Poplarville. And they, <laughs> this they were actually sound real. <laughs> They were actually they they said that the boy had stayed with them like for a few weeks before the disappear like before August nineteen twelve when Bobby disappeared, saying like, "Okay, well, we say that that is the boy that we saw before Bobby disappeared, who was with us when he couldn't have been."
1: Are they saying it's Bobby, or are they saying it's Brandon? They're saying it's Bruce. 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 There's no
0: Brandon. Oops. Um, yeah. there are a lot of these. You're forgiven. Yeah. They're saying that it's Bruce because they're saying like, okay, if. Bobby disappeared at this month, but we had this boy on this month, and we are saying, like, no, that is 100% the boy that we had before. Then it cannot
1: be Bobby. Yeah, but that means nothing if the child's own mother is, like, both potential mothers are saying, this is my child. I don't trust somebody who took care of the child for two weeks any more than the mothers. That is true.
0: That is true. And apparently neither did, like, the, the court or anything. He was convicted. The trial happened in 1914. It took two weeks. But he was only in prison for two years for total because his attorney appealed on a technicality. And I don't know what the technicality is, but it was a technicality and it worked. And William got out of prison and the court was like, we could bring this back to court, but they were like, nah, that's expensive. And I was, I'm just thinking, like, but if he was guilty, like, that would be a really bad thing to do. Very bad. <laughs> really bad thing to do. And I-, I should tell you, he always maintained that he was innocent.
1: Okay.
0: He always said that. So, back to Julia. Julia leaves Louisiana. She goes back to Poplarville, actually. The town, like, where The Bilbo <laughs> The boy was originally found, where the Bilbo's <laughs> were. She actually goes back there... Instead of going to North Carolina, she starts a brand new life. Hmm. She marries a man named Ollie Rawls in the area, and they have seven children together. Yeah, that's a lot of children. Oh my god, a lot of children. Seven <laughs> or eight, honestly. <laughs> they have seven or eight children together. In 2008, her son, Hollis Rawls, who was one of Julia's children, he told... Okay, he either told this to the Picayune item, or he told this to This American Life. Okay. I'm leaning toward This American Life, but I'm not exactly sure he said that his mother always would bring up you know the boy and like that she would talk about him like throughout her whole life and would always say like no he was my son but one the interesting thing is that she wouldn't call him bruce she would call him bobby mm-hmm. um and i'm wondering if that's just because like that's what he i mean she never saw him after that but like that is what he would end up going by you know but she made sure like all her children knew who he was and so they all like said that they grew up knowing that they had a brother out there and they also i just kind of they were talking about her and this is to this american life okay they were talking about how good of a mother she was when they were growing up she was kind of like a nurse for her area and like helped to deliver babies she was a founding member of a church and i it's i don't quite know like all like I'm assuming that maybe, like, she still, like, remained kind of, like, not super well off because they have this story that's, that's really, really sweet of, like, they had these dolls and she crocheted little booties for them, like, little shoes for them, but she didn't have knitting needles and she didn't have, like, thread or she didn't use thread for this and she took straw from a broom and used that as the needle and she got, like, twine from a flower bag oh wow, and she made the booties out of that. I don't know. There was just something, like, that's a very small detail, but, like, I feel like that tells you a lot about who she was as a person. Like, mm-hmm. she was it, – it sounds like they only had good things. Like, they were, like, just reading this – I read the transcript from This American Live, and just, like, reading them talking about their mom, like, they, like, just adored her. They loved her, which is, like, I'm so happy about that because, like, she was so, like – the media would, like, say anything about her. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, incredibly rude, incredibly rude about her. But I'm really happy that, like, you know, she just had it sounds like a really good life after this. Now, the boy. Yes. He grew up and lived in Opelousas for the rest of his life in Louisiana. He grew up as Bobby. Uh, and you have to understand from the time that he was about five or six years old, he got along with a lot of, with his brothers, and he started remembering some of the things he had. Though, to be fair, I think, like, when you're talking about a kid like that and you're wanting them to remember things, like, I think it's very easy for, I think it's very easy for kids to kind of make memories without knowing that they're making memories. Mm -hmm. Like, create them. So he ended up growing up to have four children. He married... He married a woman, and I can't remember her name. I think it might be Margaret. And he also named one of his children Bobby Dunbar Jr. And who, the son would go up and grow up and be called Bob. And then, I can't really call him the boy anymore. Bobby the man. Dunbar. <laughs> oh, the man. Bobby, yeah. Because well, like, he went by Bobby, yeah. He died in 1966 when he was 58. He I think he had a heart attack and he passed away. But again, he really and truly believed he was Bobby Dunbar. One thing to kind of keep in mind, and, and this is like, this is... This is sad. Like I said, he, he he was well off. He was, like, well taken care of, but he didn't have the... It, it sounds like he didn't have the best home life, actually. Because it sounds like there was a lot of issues with Percy and Leslie's relationship. They divorced in 1920, which, by the way, is, like, not a lot of divorces are happening then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie ended up, I think, leaving Opelousas at around that time. So when he was still pretty young. And that, like, in their divorce, there were a lot of accusations against Percy of adultery and it just was not, it seems, a great time growing up. When he did grow up, he worked for Briggs Electrical Supply as a salesman, by the way. I should have put that earlier, but I didn't. He, Here's an interesting thing. So you have Hollis, remember, who was Julia's son. Hollis says that he saw Bobby once, mm-hmm. that Bobby came to the ice plant where Hollis worked, and that they talked about... 30 minutes on and off while Hollis was kind of getting calls to do different work and stuff and that Bobby, you know, had said his name, that he was Bobby Dunbar and Hollis knew who Bobby Dunbar was, like everybody knows the name and I don't know if it's like quite that he just didn't get the enormity of it in the moment, that maybe he was stunned, that maybe it didn't click for him, but eventually after that 30 minutes, Bobby left and Hollis just was like filled with a lot of regret about the fact that they didn't talk more because I think the, the way i read it and i think the way that hollis said it was that bobby had come there to see him like it wasn't a coincidence mm-hmm. so like he would have looked it up and found them and jewel who was a sister of hollis's and a daughter of julia's thinks that he visited her at work too because she never got the name but like she served this one guy coffee and the guy just kind of looked at her and they talked He he kept like just like asking her questions for about an hour before he headed out and she never got a name but she thinks that it was him Okay. and there's a lot of questions about what Leslie knew or didn't know apparently she wrote her granddaughter a letter when she was older and the mental floss article i talked about earlier said that she talked about and this is a quote from the letter her shell of grief mm. and i don't know what was in the letter i don't know what she was referring to And it could be that she wasn't referring to anything, but the Mental Floss article did have a good quote about this, but just saying, like, quote, it's hard to know whether she was referring to the pain of losing a child, the regret of taking one or both, end quote, which is just kind of going about the uncertainty that may have been present. Now, then again, that's reading a lot into it. She Mm -hmm. might not even been talking about this event in general, but perhaps she was. And then I kind of want to, like, round out this little bit about Bobby's life, after all of these events by a quote from his son, and this was in the This American Life episode. This was from this was Bob Dunbar Jr. talking. He said, quote, I feel like my daddy could have had all the excuses in the world to be a drunk and a child abuser or anything, a rascal. He had a terrible, traumatic young life, but he chose my mother, and he chose to be a family man, and that was his world. That was his life. And I truly believe that those experiences for him and for a mother who lost her father before she even knew him, were forces that gravitated them towards one another and towards a common feeling that they would be a family. I realized that I grew up in a charmed environment. Everybody can't say that, and Daddy couldn't say that, but he made that environment for us, End quote. And I just think that is, like, one of the, like... I think that's maybe like one of the best things a child can say about their parent—that right. they like did just a really good job <laughs> at raising them. And well, no, really, like that, right. like raising them and being a parent. And I just kind of want to put that in here because there was a lot of toil around this person, and I think he's right. There, it could have easily and been like turned into a situation just because like you are the center of like a national controversy when you were a young kid. But he really seemed very assured about who he was, mm-hmm. and just wanted to be a very stable place for his children and i really appreciate that about him now bob dunbar jr
1: mm-hmm. had a daughter okay
0: named margaret margaret she got married she's margaret dunbar Cutright. okay okay in 1999 bob so her dad gives her a scrapbook that had belonged to Leslie, who was her great grandmother and it has news clip- newspaper clippings that talked like it was everything about the case Mm-hmm. everything from like all these different sides of it i think that maybe leslie was just one of the people who like decided to no matter what the newspaper had said about them because again there's a whole bunch of differing things about it but no matter what it had said she wanted to just like collect everything about the case and so she put it all in a scrapbook he gave it to margaret and margaret really wanted she didn't enter into this thinking that like her her granddad was not bobby dunbar but i think it like was proved to be like a real like fascination for her and so she ended up like doing all this research meeting like the children and grandchildren of julia mm-hmm. in 2000 and eventually in 2004 she convinced her dad bob to get a dna test thank and you so... oh my
1: god this whole time i'm like dna test dna test dna test they <laughs> didn't have a dna tests no, before no. this point no no i mean <laughs> of the grandchildren's last <laughs> children I'm like 23andMe, it can tell you your long lost second cousin. Come on.
0: They're doing it. So, in 2004, and like it, it took a while to get this to happen. Right. Because, like, some people, like, there were a lot of people in their family who didn't want them to do this test. They're kind of like, why are you messing with this? We're all good. We don't need this. But she got her dad to take a test, and they got a DNA sample. Willingly provided um, <laughs> it just it sounds like I'm saying, and they plucked the hair from the head. no, they 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 got Alonzo, who was Alonzo was Bobby's little brother, so okay. it, it would have been a mem- an undisputed member
1: of the rich family,
0: yes, of the Dunbars. Oh, okay. so they got the son of Alonzo, who would have been Bobby Dunbar's nephew and was cousin to Bob Dunbar. There's too many names Junior. anyway. He was it, cousin he to was junior. Understood. He's cousin thank you. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> He's cousin to junior. They compared and they were not related. Sorry.
1: I knew it! Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm very impressed with you for not interrupting with all of that. Like, but I could tell you were holding it in. <laughs> there,
1: did you notice that there was a point where I was just going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I'm happy. I'm happy.
1: <laughs> I was like me. 23 and me. Twenty three of me. Twenty three of
0: me. <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and, like, when they found out that, like, he wasn't related, it wasn't, like, oh, and now we do a test with the Andersons. Like, at that point, you knew who you were. Like, yeah. they, they knew, like, oh, shoot, this was, yeah, this was, their, their dad and granddad was Bruce Anderson, so, not
1: Bobby Dunbar. So, I'm assuming by this point, Julia had already passed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Julia had passed. I mean, this is, this was 2004.
1: Yeah, I mean it's. Uh,
0: Bobby had gone missing in 1912.
1: She could have been 120 years old, or 110, somewhere around there. However old she was when she gave birth, she wasn't though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, she wasn't. She it's Bruce. That's yes. the big reveal. It, it was it was him all along. And okay, going back real quick, I just. I think that the moment... There's, like, whole bunches and moments in here that could break your heart. I think the one that gets me the most, it's just that moment, like, where she's offering him an orange and neither of them are sure, like, if... If they're, like, parent and child. Right. But, like, you know that they are now. And, like, it was so close. And it, it didn't happen.
1: Yeah. I and, just
0: really hate that for them.
1: And just the fact mm-hmm. that the parent... I keep forgetting... Dunbar. The Dunbar parents, like... Did end up splitting up, and the fact that Bobby Dunbar Sr. went to go visit... I feel like he knew, because he went to go visit his siblings, and I feel like he was trying to learn who they are, because he felt like, in some part of him, that he was their sibling.
0: Okay, so there was a quote from the This American Life story, and I didn't want to put it in here, because I was like, it was just gonna be quote after quote, and I was like, it's just so good, I want to put it in here, but I did take it out, but now I'm just gonna say it. So bob jr said that he had asked his dad like i don't know if he said like do you really think you're bobby or if he said like something about like something asking like about the case and him like and like how maybe how do you go on not knowing or something like that and the man who went by bobby dunbar and lived as bobby dunbar most of his life said like i know who i am and i know who you are and that is enough for me so like that's why i say like he was very sure of himself i don't know i don't know like if he really and truly like knew one way or another Mm -hmm. but it sounds like if he's actually visiting the siblings like the siblings are pretty sure happened
1: he at least had some doubt
0: he at least had some doubt yeah that's a good way of putting it Margaret Dunbar cutwright the granddaughter who like figured everything out. She wrote a book along with Tal McDania who was the reporter for the This American Life thing, which by the way guys, just watch it, listen to it, <laughs> read it. You can't watch it. But the book is called A Case for Solomon: Bobby Dunbar and the Cap and the Kidnapping that Haunted a Nation. It came out in 2012. So, are you familiar with the biblical story of Solomon? Zoe? No. Okay. So, Solomon, it this Story was like brought up a lot in the newspapers of the time that I read. Mm-hmm. My mind went to it a lot when I like kind of came across this case or like re-came across it because it's one of those that was like covered by Buzzfeed and solved. And then I was like, "Oh, that one," y- you know, you know. So I'd like seen it a long time before, but like I, you know, went in and I did my my digging and everything. But um, the story of Solomon is that there are two women coming to him. He's a judge. There are two women. <gasps> yes. Coming to him. Yeah, but I'm still going to explain it for the listeners. Two of them coming to him, both are saying that a baby is theirs, like the same baby is theirs. And so Solomon is saying like, okay, well, if you're both saying it's yours, well, it's one baby, there's two of you. I'm going to split the baby in half, and then each of you gets the, you you know that. Mm -hmm. And so he was about to do it, and then one woman just screamed out, no, he's not my son, don't do that. And so she got the baby, because he was like, that's his mother, because that's the one who would give up her own happiness so her child would be well, even if it was with somebody else.. Right. And so it's so it, it's of course, not a direct like analogy to this because I think that like, I'm not accusing Leslie in any sense of like knowing a child wasn't hers, but taking it anyway, because as you're about to see, the kids really do look a lot alike. And I also think that like, if you've been searching for your son nonstop for eight months and you come across a boy that you think is him and all you have to do is say yes, like, I think your brain is going to tell you it's 100% him, even mm-hmm. if you had a little bit of doubt initially. But but it is, like, it it is so similar to this story, though. And there's no wonder Solomon keeps coming up a lot.
1: I was even um, thinking it while you were talking about it. I was like, oh, it reminds me of the one of the king that sliced someone in half. I just didn't yeah. know it was a biblical story.
0: It is, Yeah. Obviously, the major loose thread of this is that there was a missing boy.
1: Yeah, I was Um, thinking that just now. I'm like, wait, then what happened to the actual Bobby Dunbar?
0: Okay. I I don't think we're ever going to find out for sure. I, I don't think it's possible, really, for us to find out for sure. I'd be shocked if we find out anything. But I am like, personally leaning toward, I think, he drowned or had something with an alligator. I think that it was like probably a really quick and tragic thing that happened at the lake i don't really think he was kidnapped i i i think he just i think he died there unfortunately margaret by the way does too she was kind of asked like what are her theories about that and she Mm -hmm. thinks that he passed away at the lake too some people like in the years since have kind of thought that like oh did the dunbars like murder their son or have him killed or something like that and then they like were like clinging to the idea that there was another boy out there to like cover like cover up their crimes but like really no i really don't think that happened there's i think that that's just a case of like the media having hold of a story for too long that you start like kind of doing anything to it but i i i think that it's most likely that this was a tragic accident that turned into an even more tragic thing when a boy was taken away from his mom right you know zoe so, i sent you an email last
1: night at 2am you, you did i saw it
0: okay can you click it now because this is a photo of both boys comparing them and by the way they were born the same month in the same year like these they look alike yeah
1: they i can't really even do. tell you
0: from my memory which is which i think the one on the left is Bobby Dunbar and I think the one on the right is Bruce but like can you see how there's confusion over if you're one of the parents
1: yeah I would say one is a little bit chubbier than the other but even that could have just been like the lighting and the camera used you know and also could have changed over the span of eight months right you know yeah
0: but I can because like when you're hearing about this and you're like I don't know how they can you know not know their son which is like a criticism that comes up again and again but like I mean, there are... I mean, I've met somebody who looked so much like me that it gave, like, their best friend a double-take and their best friend thought I was them for, like, a hot second. Like, there are people out there who look so like you. It's weird. And I honestly think this was a case of two people that looked so like each other that it just led to all these
1: consequences. Yeah. I mean, we had a high school professor... Or high school teacher that... (laughs) mistook us for each other so yeah yeah
0: like i said a few times in this episode if you are if you want to learn more about this especially as it affected the subsequent generations of these families either listen to the episode of this american life called the ghost of bobby dunbar or read the transcript which you can find very easily online it it is well worth it i had been, you know, up-researching the story, and I could tell, like, that the transcript itself was kind of not going to be any... At a certain point, it kind of got to a point with the transcript where I knew, like, I'd gotten everything I could from it, but that it was, like, it was still taking me through a lot of the story that, like, wasn't necessarily pertinent to this episode. And, y'all, it was, like, 2 a.m., and I was still reading it, and it was a long transcript, and it was just, like, that good and that well told of a story and that important of a story and just trust me, like you're going to be glad that you checked it out. Well thank you, Robin. Thank you, Zoe.
1: That was well, a good everyone... one. That was that was a good one.
0: Yeah, I I like this one I don't think I'd ever like I didn't know this was in the South. And I don't I think I like remembered it a little bit to like know that the concept was out there of this story but i like really just didn't remember any of the details so um this was really a very interesting one to kind of dig your teeth into and to be honest like if somebody wanted to they could dig like way further and really go down a rabbit hole with it and people have so (laughs) feel free guys if you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, review, and tell a friendo, and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com
1: slash hospitality. For just $3 a month, you get a new episode of Us. Yes, and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky, and this mm-hmm. month it's actually coming out on Friday the 13th.
0: <gasps> yep. Oh no.
1: Yep. And it's the episode where you covered Lizzie Borden. So, oh, guys,
0: we, um... Real quick aside, we we have very different beliefs about Lizzie <laughs> Gordon. We are opposites. Yes. We get into it.
1: <laughs> but if you want to see Robin's sources about this one, you can head over to hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com, not org. Um, and if you have your own spooky story or maybe your own situation where you thought you were someone else, I don't know, I just came up yes. with that on the spot. Um, you can write to us at haunted at gmail.com or you can DM us.
0: Yes, because we are on the interwebs. We are on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram at haunted hospitality. We are also on Twitter at haunted hosts. We hope to see you there. Stay Stay spooky. spooky.